You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. Hey man, I take you to one verse of scripture while you're standing. Acts chapter number 2. Acts chapter number 2 and then verse number 41. Acts 2 and 41. And then I want to preach to you for just a few minutes this morning on this thought, components of revival. Amen. If you're there in Acts 2 and 41, simply reads like this. Then they that gladly received His word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Wow. What could happen? Amen. If today we had a revival in the Metro East of three thousand souls in one day, in one afternoon, in one moment, three thousand. We don't even have enough baptistry. I don't think we can baptize. We'd have to get more baptistries. Wouldn't that be an awesome thing? Amen. Hallelujah. I want to preach components of revival. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. Amen. Amen. It's so great to have Sister Perry here. We're praying, of course, for your mother, but, but uh, Sister Perry uh, is the mother of Alex, who has been here several times, and we love Alex uh, every time he's able to be around here, but excited about what God is doing, and now you're not only pastoring one church, but if I have it correctly, is it just two? You're just two. They're just pastoring two churches now, and uh, so her husband, what a, what a great guy, great friend, and And just an honor to have them here with us this morning. Revival. It is about revival. Uh, The church is about revival. Should be about revival. Must be about revival. It is about reviving that which has been lost. That which has uh, gone away. Bringing back and in uh, uh, certain context everything that takes place in The heavenly kingdom, the spiritual kingdom, God's kingdom is about revival. It's it's reviving man back to that place before sin came where God had perfect communion with Adam and Eve. But we use the word revival a lot sometimes, but God wanted to do more than just revive or restore man back to Adam and Eve when He walked with them and talked with them in the cool of the day. But God wanted to, He always had His plan to be that someday His Spirit would come and live and reside inside of man. So even in the garden, when Adam and Eve lived in a utopia of sorts, where they had purpose, they had work, but it was not by the sweat of their brow, it was not through increased labor and pain, but it was just a wonderful life and they talked with God for a little bit every day. God always intended that somehow, amen, man would know God through the power of his spirit. It was what it was always about. And as you go through the Old Testament, after sin comes and you go through and you read Moses and the prophets, and you see everything, the promises that God gives, even beginning with Abraham. It is always pointing toward that point in time 
where God's presence, God's spirit can come down and live inside of man's heart, in man's life. I am thankful today for the power of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. I am thankful today for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, for being filled with the Spirit of God in my life. I cannot imagine living life without the Spirit of the Lord. As I came into the city last night and began to feel those same familiar things and, and spirits that you war against and you wrestle against, amen, the thing that give me courage, amen, is not, I, I was not in doubt and despair, amen, but the thing that gives me courage is that I also feel the abiding hand of the presence of the Lord in my life. Hallelujah. What a wonderful thing. I cannot imagine living life, encountering those spirits and those things without knowing, amen, the power of the Holy Ghost is alive inside of my heart, inside of my soul. The church is about revival. The church is about revival. CTK, we must be about revival. We can never be satisfied. It will never be enough. There will never be a year where we step to this podium and say, we're good. We don't need, any, we don't need you to give any more to missions. We don't need you to give any more to the work of the Lord. No, there will always be, amen, a pull and a tug on our heart. Amen. To give to missions. To see the gospel of Jesus Christ preached. To reach the lost. Amen. To pray for the sick. Amen. To heal the wounded and the broken in spirit. It will always be about revival. You need to get this in your spirit. I need to get this in my spirit. It needs to be bigger than us. Amen. I thank God for a wonderful church. I love this church. I love the people in this church. I love everything, amen, that God has given us. I thank God for that. But we need to get it in our spirit, amen, that the church is about revival. Every Sunday we show up. It cannot just be about the good coffee. Thank God for the youth serving coffee. It cannot just be about the good cup of coffee and the good fellowship we have out there. And I hope you have good coffee and I hope you have even better fellowship here at CTK. But when we come to church, it's going to be about who's showing up today. Amen. That needs a healing, needs an answer, needs a miracle in their life. When I come in and I worship, I worship, amen, because I love the Lord. That's first. I, I enjoy worshiping God, amen. But I also know that there are little children whose eyes are looking at me. And they want to know, they need to know, amen, where do we go when things are in trouble? How do we respond when life isn't always perfect, amen. And so I worship, amen, not only for my own soul's sake first, amen, but for the sake of my family and my friends, amen. Yeah, it may have been a rough week or a good week, but I still come to the house of the Lord and I lift up the Lord and I call upon His name because... Amen. He is our only hope and He is our only answer. It must be about revival. That's what we are focused on. That's what everything we want to do 
is about. Seeing souls saved and lives healed. Amen. Healed. Somebody say healed. How many believe he's a healer? We sang it. I believe he's a healer. I still believe, amen, that you can walk in here, your life a mess. And the power of the Spirit of God and by the Word of God, he can heal you and restore you. Hallelujah. And it doesn't matter how broken you are. It doesn't matter how wounded you are. It doesn't matter how low you are. Amen. There is no sickness, amen, that God does not have the antidote for. That's why we are reaching out. Amen. There's no sickness that God does not have an antidote for. And that's why we reach out in everything. I thank Sister Lakely. Amen. For taking up. Amen. The burden of the divorce care ministry classes. That's just one little thing. Amen. Why do you do that? Why do you take time? Because I believe that God is a healer. (laughs) I believe God is a restorer. Why do you pray for the sick in church? Amen. Because I believe that at the mention of His name. Amen. Hallelujah. Everything, amen, that's not of God has to bow down and submit to the will and the purpose of God. So church is always about revival. I want to give to you, if I can, this morning, four things, four components of revival. This is not an exhaustive list. This is not a list, amen, that, that uh, uh, is complete. You could add other things, but these are four things that I felt the Lord laid on my heart last night and this morning. Go with me. If you have your Bibles, just leave it open to the book of Acts. We are here in the book of Acts this morning. We read in chapter 2 about this wonderful, wonderful day, the day of Pentecost, where not only the 120 received the baptism of the Spirit of the Lord, but there were 3,000 souls that day that obeyed Acts 2 and 38. What an incredible testimony. As I go through these first two chapters, there are four things that I see that I think is important as we approach this next weekend, what we are calling our revival nights, revival nights. And I hope that you'll clear your schedule and hope that there's nothing that's more important. Amen. If you can be here, be here, whatever Unless you know if you're sick, obviously, and you can't pull yourself out of butt, but be in the house of the Lord. Turn to somebody and say, are you going to be here? Are you going to be here? Amen. Get to the house of the Lord. Find a way. Because God, I want to believe God is going to do something great. I'm, I'm coming with anticipation that God's going to speak into my heart. But as we are coming, there are four components that I would like to give to you. Amen. The first one, the first one is found... In Acts chapter 1 and verse number 4, Jesus being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait. Everybody say wait. Wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. Amen. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not Many days hence. He said, wait for the promise of the Father. His command was specific. Wait. Stop. Stop what you're doing. Make this a focus until the power of the Holy Ghost, the promise of the Father, comes down 
and is in you. He was so specific. He, he did not say, wait until you feel good. Wait until there's another word from the Lord. No, he said, wait until the promise of the Father, the power of the Holy Ghost comes in your life. It's a specific directive. If you want revival in your home, in your family, in your heart, it will not happen without the power of the Holy Ghost, without the promise of the Father. You need the Spirit of God inside of your heart. You need the Spirit of God inside of your life. But the command that God gave was wait. Wait. I don't know about you, but I do not enjoy waiting. I can be hungry for something and go to a restaurant, and if they say it's going to be a 45-minute wait, uh uh-uh. All of a sudden, my appetite just changed like that. Wait. I don't like to wait. I don't like to wait. No one. I don't know anyone that just says, gets up in the morning and says, oh, I hope today I can just wait. I hope I can just... Nobody likes to wait. It goes against your flesh. It goes against your desire. But yet Christ tells us, Wait for the promise of the Father. He goes on in Luke. Remember, Luke is the author of Acts. We could flip back to the last part of Luke chapter 24 and 49. Luke, uh, uh, he, he goes into a little bit more detail in Acts. He summarizes at the end of his gospel. And he says, and behold, in, in Luke 24, 49, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry. Somebody say tarry. Tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. What's that power from on high? He tells us it is the baptism of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. And in the book of Luke, he says, tarry, tarry. In in the modern KJV, it reads like this. Behold, I send the promise of my Father on you, but You sit in the city of Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. He says you sit. That word tarry, uh, uh, that Greek word there means to seat down. That is to set uh, uh, to a point or intrinsically to sit down, to settle, to hover, to dwell. Stop what you're doing. Set down. Sit. Stay until... God moves in your life. We don't like to wait. We want God to come. We want God's power. Oh yes, we shout about that. We want the miraculous. We want the move of God. But we are not always willing to stop and to wait for God to move, to set down, to put everything else on hold. But in order to have revival, it was a key component. They would never have participated in the day of Pentecost unless they were obedient to this. Let me preach to some mothers and fathers. Let me preach, amen, to some good saints. We desire revival. And we want the move of God. But sometimes we've got to stop everything else. We've got to turn everything else off in our life, shut it down. And we've got to wait for the voice of the Lord. We, if we're not careful, can come in and we check in and we check out. We check into church. We give God about an hour and a half and we check out of church. And if the Lord didn't speak to us, God has to wait until next week or next Wednesday. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
But sometimes in life, we've got to get desperate. And we've got to wait. We've got to stay. When was the last time that we knelt down to pray without a stopwatch or a time clock on what was coming up? I'm preaching to some people. I'm preaching to myself. When was the last time that we said, God, I'm going to wait until your power falls in my life, until your presence falls into my life. I need you in my heart and in my soul. If we want it bad enough, we do wait. We wait times to eat for an hour at a restaurant. We go to uh, theme parks. I can't remember what the record was, but I think the record for a ride uh, at Disney World, the waiting line record was somewhere around seven to nine hours that people at one time would wait for one ride. A ride that's going to last minutes, seconds of their life, and yet they would wait just for that experience, just to go through that. I'm going to tell you how dear, how, how dear is the power of the Holy Ghost to you. How important is the move of God in your life? How important is the move of God in my life? I understand we have schedules and we have calendars. I'm not preaching against that. We will always have Sunday morning service here. I don't want you to think that I'm going to throw calendars out or things, but oh, I would to God that there would be a day where we could sometime just come in and not have any pressure, not have to worry about anything. You know what? Lunch could wait. Dinner can wait. This can wait. That can wait. I just need a move of God in my life. I need a breakthrough in the Holy Ghost. I need the Spirit of God inside of my soul. Are we willing to wait, God? God, I need you. I'll never forget as I was studying, this has been several years ago, and I was studying Moses who goes up the mountain and he goes up on Mount Sinai and he's there for 40 days. And in those 40 days, God does some beautiful things. God gives him the Ten Commandments where he takes and, and he etches it into stone there. Some think that was concrete, and he etched that in there, but he gives them more, he gives them the law. But if you read, if you go back and you read it close in the book of Exodus, when Moses goes up, the glory of the Lord was upon that mountain, when the glory of the Lord descended upon that mountain, it, it touched, physically touched that mountain. It changed the characteristics of that mountain. Moses goes up, he's gone for 40 days. But here's the thing. He was on that mountain for seven days before he heard one voice from the Lord. Before he heard one thing from the Lord. Could you imagine if Moses went up and after about, well he got up there say nine o'clock in the morning and noon comes around, God's not there. Could you imagine how the story would have been different if Moses wouldn't have waited? If he wouldn't have stayed a day or the second or the third? I'm sure by day six, I'm sure by morning seven, Moses is saying, okay, God, I'm waiting, I'm ready. But once he was up there seven days, then the voice of the Lord began to speak. I'm going to tell you, we don't need to just wake up in the morning one day and fast for an hour and say, okay, God didn't speak, I'm giving up on this. 
We've got to have a desperation in our heart that says, God, I'm willing to wait. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going away. I'm not giving up. I know we've got jobs. I know we've got schedules. I know we have responsibilities in life that are upon us. But God, give me a desire in this fast-paced, materialistic world. Don't let me miss the voice of God because I wouldn't sit still long enough. The Lord says, wait for the promise of the Father. I promise you this. If you wait long enough, when it comes. Nobody ever complained that God didn't speak to them in the first moment. They were always thankful, amen, that they were there when it happened. Hallelujah. We've got to be willing to wait. That means we're going to have to pray. You're going to have to worship. You're going to have to set some things down in your life. You have to put some things away in your life. You're going to have to reprioritize some things in your life. And then you're going to wake up the next day and nothing's going to change. It's going to be a test. It's going to be a temptation. Well, maybe that didn't work. If God has dealt with you, we have in front of us some commitments. People that committed for daily reading of the Bible. People that committed for prayer and fasting in the month of January. Maybe you've prayed. Maybe you've prayed and God hasn't answered. Maybe you've fasted and you haven't seen anything change. Maybe you've been reading your Bible, but nothing new has come. I'm here to preach to you. Don't stop now. You keep on. You keep tarrying. You keep waiting because sooner or later, the Word of God's going to come. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God is going to be there in your life. Wait, wait. We go to Acts chapter 2 and here it is. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, and it says, And when the, day of, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Here, here, here's the result of that waiting. The waiting takes courage. It takes determination. And it takes commitment that I'm going to wait. While others walked away and others left, when the day of Pentecost came, they were still there. They were still waiting. They were still there. They were committed. I'm preaching to some people this morning. I feel this in my spirit. In 2019, you are going to have opportunity after opportunity to walk away from the Lord. To go back on your convictions. To go back on the things that God has built in your life. But if I have heard from the Lord, God has telling us we've got to stay committed. Don't give up. Don't quit. I still hear the invitation, take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross every day. Don't walk away. Now's not the time to bail out. Now's not the time to give in. Now is the time to stay committed more than ever before. You ought to plant your feet and say, devil, I'm not moving. Doesn't matter what you throw at me. Doesn't matter what you bring before me. I am here. I am waiting. I am tearing because God has promised me something greater than you could ever tempt me with. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Quickly going on to this same verse, Acts 2 and 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. The second thing, second component I would give you of revival is number one, waiting. But the second one would be together. Together. They were together. Revival came when they were 
together. They were all in one accord in one place. They were together. Differences abounded, but division did not. They were different, but they were not divided. We must be careful that when we allow division to come into our heart, if we're not careful, we can be on the wrong side of separation. God had appointed that the Holy Ghost would fall in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. If they allowed their differences to bring division, some of them could have missed out the very point and the place where the outpouring was going to fall. There was differences, yes. They didn't agree in everything, but they did not allow there to be division. They were together. Amen. I want to see revival. We've got to come together. We've got to come together. And when we come together, amen, God can pour out His Spirit. And through one outpouring of the Holy Ghost, the language, amen, that flows through us will be a language, amen, that can speak to the whole world. When we come together, we've got to be together. Amen. I don't want to separate. I, I know sometimes things aren't always right. Sometimes we're going to have strong opinions. We're going to have strong things of differences. And that's okay. Amen. I think we ought to contend for the best and the most efficient and the right. But when we are both children of God, when we are children of God and born again and we are following after truth, amen, we ought to come together. And when we come together, God can pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. At CTK, we are one church, many different people. Differences abound. I know differences abound because I hear them all the time. Amen. Differences abound. I like this and I like this and I like that and I like that. And some things I do like and some things I don't like. But I'm going to tell you, I've gone to church where there's things that I don't like. But that, that's a difference. That's not a division. When we come together, amen, we are in one mind. We are in one accord. When we come together and worship, we're worshiping the same God. When we come together in the Word, we're reading the same book. When we come together in prayer, it's the same baptism of the Holy Ghost that God God is pouring out upon us. So there are differences, yes, but no division. And be careful because I have seen people who have allowed differences to bring division in their heart and they've walked away and they walked away moments before revival and outpouring was going to take place and they missed out on it and because they left, their family missed out on it. God, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out on what God has, amen, in this last day. How many believe we're living in the last days? I don't want to miss out. He said in the last days, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see vision. I don't want to miss out on what God has for us in this last day. Third thing, this is a big one, the third thing. Peter preaches this wonderful message. Wow, maybe someday we should do a Bible study just on the sermon of Acts chapter 2 because it's so rich. It's so rich in truth and doctrine and promise and power. Peter preaches this message all the way through. and We come to verse 37 in Acts chapter 2 and this is what it says. Now when they heard this. This is the multitude that gathered around after the day of Pentecost took place. Now when they heard this 
They were pricked in their heart. Said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? When they heard this, when they heard the word of God, when they heard the preaching, they were pricked in their hearts. They were convicted. There was a conviction. I'm going to tell you, you cannot have revival until you have conviction. We better be careful in our modern age that we don't stifle every voice of conviction, that we don't stamp out every move and impression of the Spirit of the Lord that convicts us. we got to be careful that we're not just coming to church for all the positive and all the, all the self-help stuff and all the, the good stuff. No, God, I also need some conviction in my life because that conviction precedes the outpouring of the power of the Holy Ghost in our heart. Yes, God has great promise and God has great blessing, but there are some things in your heart and in my heart, in your life, in my life, that have got to change to ready ourselves for the receiving of the Spirit of the Lord inside of our life. There was conviction that fell in their heart. We need conviction. Conviction. I'm not talking about condemnation because sometimes we confuse condemnation with conviction. I, I remember as a child being convicted as a child from the preacher's sermon, from the pastor's sermon. I remember sitting there as a child and conviction gripped my heart. There's a difference. I've heard some people talk about old time conviction and what they described was less conviction and more condemnation. Jesus did not come to condemn the world. But conviction takes place not when a man gets angry and starts tearing people down. Conviction takes place when truth is revealed, amen, and all of a sudden the Spirit of God conveys that message to our heart and we realize there's a great distance between what I am and what I should be. And there's something inside of my heart that recognizes I've got to change. Look at this. If you were to read Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost, he preaches about Jesus Christ. He preaches the revelation of who He is. And only one time in his sermon, he makes it plain. It is straight up plain. But only one time in his sermon does he preach to them that they need to change. He says that Jesus, he says in verse 23, he said, having been delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, he, here it is. This is the only convicting part. Amen. The, the, the uh, 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 indictment part of his sermon. He said, Ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Peter didn't pull any punches. He did, not, he did not brush over it. He did not keep that part out of the narrative. No, he stood up and said, yes, the Lord was crucified. Yes, God already intended it. He already had a way. But you allowed yourself to be an agent of evil. By wicked hands, you crucified and you slain him. And from that point on, he never revisits it. He goes back and he preaches Jesus Christ, him crucified, him Lord of all. But there was something inside of the heart that realized, God, there's something in my life I've got to get rid of. God, I've got to get rid of that. Oh, I pray God send conviction back in 2019. 
19. Don't let us sit through a sermon unchanged and unmoved. Don't let us walk into your presence without acknowledging the shortcoming of our human frailties. And God, we need you in our life. Conviction. Can you lift your hands right now? Come on, can you lift your hands with me? Can you pray with me right now? God, let there be a spirit of conviction, not condemnation, but God that abides in the sanctuary, in this house, God. Let it be your doing. Let it be your moving, Lord, I pray. Come on, CTK, would you intercede with me right now? God, in Jesus' name. In these next few days as we endeavor to have revival services, let the conviction of the Lord be in the house. Stir our hearts. Stir our souls, God, I pray this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, I I tell you, I don't want to just have church as usual. I'm praying for the spirit of conviction. This is not something we can induce. This is not something the pastor can manufacture. This is something that the Spirit of God has to do. But I'm preaching and I'm praying for old-fashioned conviction where we don't have to wait for the altar call before we're moved to throw our life before the Lord. I'm praying for old-fashioned conviction that would stir us to a place. Oh, he Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And I come to a close as they move towards the music today. I come to a close. Conviction, not only conviction, but conviction every time. And here it is. Here's why you can't have revival without conviction. Because conviction, we don't give it out of verse 37. Go back to Acts 2 and 37. Conviction every time moves us to readiness. Readiness. Look at what it says. When they heard this, they were pricked. They were convicted in their hearts. And what immediately follows but a readiness. What shall we do? Some of you, you're fighting some things in your life. You're fighting some things. You've been dealing with the same things over and over. God has the answer. Sometimes in my life, God has the answer. But he didn't force it on me, Sister Perry, until I get to the place to where I desperately says, God, what, what shall I do? What do, what shall I do? I was going to tell a story, but I don't want to upset my son. We had a long drive home. Let's just say that. Last time I told a story, he got upset, so. We had a long drive home. Long, long, long drive home. And fi- finally, after five hours of non-stop crying, we looked at each other and said, we can't take this anymore. Find a hotel. <laughs> and so we stopped and we got there. And the next day we thought, oh, this is going to be great. He's had plenty of time. We've had plenty of time. We've gotten it all out. So the next morning we go back, open the door, and it starts again. There we are. Finally, we said, okay, this is just gonna be a this is just gonna be a little battle of wills here. And I said this: speak to me, tell me, tell me what it is. Communicate with me. Communicate. 
Because he could communicate really well. Communicate. And then finally he told us what he wanted. And he wanted mama to sit right next to him. That's what he wanted. Seven hours of life could have been helped if he just would have asked and said please. Because when he puts that little peas on the end of it, mama cannot resist that. Daddy can't, okay, okay, okay. Sometimes in life we're like that with God. We're just whining and crying and fussing and screaming. And God's just waiting for us. He's got the answer. He's got everything. We're not ready. That's why you and I need conviction. Because conviction moves us to the fourth thing, and that's readiness. What? What shall I do? At that point, you're giving God an, you're giving God an open slate. God, what shall I do? And he can, he can write whatever he wants. That's when you're the most vulnerable. And it's that vulnerability that empowers the blessing of God in your life. When you say, God, I'll do anything, that's, that's where revival can begin to work in my life and in your heart. Now, we're at the point where God can do what He desires to do in you and in me. Am I ready for revival? Am I at the place... Because we pray for revival. But am I ready for revival? Am I ready for what God has for me? I'm going to tell you, you get to that place. And God will not disappoint. So I'm preaching to some people this morning. There's some components of revival. That we've got to put in our heart. And God is now waiting on us. To wait.